Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Not far. I mean, it's funny. When you talk about Jaden Daniels leapfrogging Caleb Williams, the initial perception is that it's a knock against Caleb. And it's, you know, it's partially that, but it's really how much we truly love uh, Jaden Daniels' game and how much it translates to the current NFL. Caleb Williams is still our QB, too. He's the number two quarterback on our board right now he's one of the top four players in the draft overall and with the, with the amount of teams that we see at the top of this draft that want and need a, a new face of the franchise under center Caleb Williams is going to be the number two or three pick in this mock draft coming up I mean I, I wouldn't say that's a, a, a tremendous fall I just think it's a noteworthy fall Oh, yeah. Take note. Mully and Hahn, the score. Oh, it's noteworthy. That is something. We got a lot of reaction uh, to our conversation with our lads of very own David uh, Sivertson. And uh, they do a great job. And it's fun th- to, to think about playing the game, as he described it, of kind of you got, you know, two, two of the top ten picks. You need to get the quarterback and one of the receivers. So you run around. You keep dropping and moving. Um Here's the thing. Uh, I, I think we had a texter saying, if if our starting quarterback isn't Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, there's going to be a riot I next think year. so. I think that's a good way to put it. <laughs> we hadn't thought it's about that. It's very, very interesting. Well, yeah. we hadn't thought about it. We haven't discussed it. Brad Biggs did allude to it in his mailbag, and I am, asked him to amplify this today at 7 o'clock. Molly, he did say that the only debate – to him is which quarterback the Bears will draft. And, and I think he believes they're taking a quarterback with the number one overall pick. He just doesn't know that it's Caleb Williams. And, and I think he makes a very good point about the yep. fact they've not met with Caleb Williams officially yet in those kind of settings after the pro day at the combine. And, 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 curse. and okay so Brad's talking to the same types of people that our lads sure. are relying upon. And there is that kind of hesitation, not even hesitation. There's just a, they're conditioned to do all the due diligence before reaching a conclusion. What I find fascinating about the Our Lads evaluation, the latest one is that he talks very casually, David did, about, well, the thing about Jaden Daniels leapfrogging Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams being QB2. Caleb Williams can't be QB2 for the Bears offseason to go according to a lot of people's plans. Right, This would be a huge upset, a huge shock to a lot of people's systems. And we had one uh, texter point out, you guys sound deflated. <laughs> you, you guys sound down. Not really, but oh, I think we're I, just I'm surprised. No, we're I, surprised by this. I mean, you know, Jaden Daniels is considered an ascending player based on the season that he had and the skills that he showed and the Heisman Trophy winning season Mm -hmm. uh, that he had. He's a guy that started his career at Arizona State. He spent a few years there, and he transferred to LSU. And you think about 
kind of that journey. Who's the last guy to transfer into LSU and then become a number one pick? How'd that go? Cincinnati. Yeah, that worked out okay. Um, And, and, you know, again, I think what's interesting, 6'3", 6'3", and a third, uh, as opposed to – and we'll get all these actual heights at the Combine. People will be at the Combine, if nothing else. Um, Caleb Williams is listed at 6'1". Now that's an, probably an exaggeration. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, could what, be, could let, be if he's under six feet tall, does that change the the you know the when you think about you know you know what you want out of quarterback you want Drake I, May Drake May is a guy who just has all the measure he's six four you you know you want a certain quarterback you want you want to fit within these sort of you know protocols of size and weight and. You know all that stuff. He, and Justin that, Herbert. And you want Justin Herbert? Yes, that, and that, he's the outside prototype. that. Well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Well, and I think it's a fair question. I, I don't want to dismiss that possibility as something that wouldn't be factored in. I don't want to just cavalierly say, "Well, you know, look at the tape, and if he can do well, that." Look I, at the, a lot of people yep. will just say that, and yes. I, but I, I want to be fair in terms of like that will be one of the pieces people put into their evaluation, and I and I respect that, but. That wouldn't necessarily prevent me from picking him where I would want to pick him. And I, I don't want to say this based on our own, we all have our methods and we all have our reasons, but nothing about my football opinions on Caleb Williams is going to change based on what our lad says about Jaden Daniels. I just won't, I just don't think it's going to. Will your opinion of Jaden Daniels change based on whether you decide to start breaking him down and looking closer at him? Well, I, I think that I. Probably a little, maybe maybe a little bit, but but I think what I have, I will compare him to past years and guys. There's always somebody. He's this year's Tony Richardson, Anthony Richardson, yes, right? Yes. He's the guy that you see that's full of uh, all kinds of potential and is going right. to be a video game type piece or a video game type yes. uh, career because of all the highlights and all the things he's capable of doing. I still don't know if that would make me feel like he's a better choice than Caleb Williams, and people can. Disagree with that, and that—that's the beauty of this the pre-draft process. The one thing, though, that I have to be honest about that gives me the first time I've had a little bit of pause is like, okay, now this is happening in a way that I don't really feel comfortable about. There was a report on Thursday that as we get ready for the NFL Combine every year, the NFLPA publishes a list of draft-eligible players and their agents. Yes, Caleb Williams doesn't have an agent. And apparently he's going to go it alone. I don't think that's a good development. I don't think that's a positive sign. I don't like it. And I think that it concerns me a little bit because if you are oblivious to the help or that an agent can provide in all the ways that he can help polish your resume, uh, polish your presentation, and the things that agents do that Dave Wanstead has alluded to, by the time you get to the draft, he'll be clean, right? Why? Because he'll be with an agency that understands, well, he looks like a guy we had 10 years ago, and this is what we do every year, get in line, and you'll be fine, and there'll be no red flags. I'm a little concerned that without an agent, there's more likely to be some red flags. Okay, and, and I'm not I, – I, I want to talk that through a little bit because are you saying that that means that he is expecting you – know, let me put it this way. The rookie salary cap exists, and each each spot is kind of um, streamlined 
to fit into the rookie salary cap. You you really can't demand a lot more than what you're going to get in your first contract in the NFL. They've got that under control. I yep. You don't you don't need a negotiator to try to get more out of it because it's limited to what you're going to get. We have a pretty good feel based on last year what what uh, Bryce Young got, how much you get for being the first overall pick in a draft, especially if you're a quarterback. So I understand there might be like a little bit more. There's not a lot of wiggle room on that. So I, I would say you don't necessarily need an agent to negotiate that first deal in the league. Now, after five years, then you're going to have a bit of a problem. And maybe if you don't have an agent then – that could lead to whatever you want to call it, the uh, the Roquan Smith issue. It's a really good point. It's Well, there are two Roquan Smith issues. I think you're alluding to the one that he didn't have an agent, so he had to be traded because he didn't couldn't negotiate an extension, right? There, there are two points I want to respond to because those are really sure. good ones. The Roquan Smith issue that came to mind when I saw this development was the one he encountered his rookie year before he played it down. Mm-hmm. He had the same boilerplate contract that all uh, was eighth overall. Yes, uh, it, something you, like but, that. But everything is slotted. Everything is determined, right? Uh, uh, up until the point where. So you're worried this guy's going to lose his playbook? Well, that's I, just a joke. No, I'm not. That was a Roquan reference. It's a Roquan reference, but I'm worried I'm about if it worried is overstating it. But there is all there. Are, there's language in these contracts, sure. that we're not always privy to that may trigger something about. Uh, a, a, a player may respond to differently than your typical player. Roquan Smith was a different kind of guy, and maybe he was more sensitive to this or more sensitive to that, but he found a clause that he didn't feel yes. comfortable with in the boilerplate contract, and yes. he held out. And that was a problem that followed him. He had a hard time outgrowing that. So I think there, there, there's never a contract with fine print and language that makes me feel like, oh, just give me the pen and sign it. They're going to read it. And I think an agent can help you navigate those things. The other thing is with Caleb Williams, we know what baggage he he purportedly is bringing into whatever team he goes to. I think those are the kinds of optics that you can help avoid if you have an agent to clean it up. Yeah, I, I that is, and I think that's a legitimate point. And an agent will know, okay, you're meeting with these guys. Here's what they want to hear you say. This is how. You, I get all of that. I think you're right about that. It would be cleaned up. Um, I, I'm I'm just wondering when we talk about Caleb Williams and the baggage that he might have and how he needs to clean it up. Are we talking about? I, I just want to know what we're talking about. It, it, he's a very highly emotionally charged dude, and he's been, you know. He he will cry at well, different well, points. Is that is that, and, I, and I'm not. You're asking me, right? Insulting. I'm just you're, you're talking to me. you so, about. So this. we're talking about this, and, and, th- and this is the way I would respond to that. When you have an agent that has done this before for stars, superstars, mm. then the process moves the, the, easier. The, the question you just yeah. asked me is valid, but to me, it, it reinforces every time it's asked, and it's going to be asked a ton. It reinforces this unfair perception of a kid who has these experiences in his background with the fingernail painting and the crying to mom and the I'm, I want a piece of the team and I'm not going to play for this team. All things that really are snapshots, little individual snippets of somebody's, the totality of somebody's personality and character that I think 
need to be represented, so we forget those little things. So those aren't the focus going into the draft, and that's what skilled agents and PR uh, consultants can do. And maybe he has a team already. We think he probably does. He has a great NIL deal. He's very polished in these commercials, so maybe this is a moot point. But I think that when you ask those questions, to me, it just reinforces the need to have a professional handle your PR and your per- manage your perception going into the draft. And, and and I agree with what you're saying, and I think that probably makes it easier for him. But I also would say that the you know everyone everyone keeps wondering. Well, you know, he makes so much money in NIL. Should he stay in school? And the answer is no. Because what he needs to do is come out, get that rookie deal, and it is the second contract for which you are really paid. So, so for him, it's, it's come out, get your deal, work your towel off, be the best player you can be, be the generational talent, and then you're going to make a bundle. It doesn't matter about your agent. It doesn't matter about any of that stuff. If you can play, and if he believes he can play, there's a benefit to being the first pick in the draft, and there's a benefit to being considered the generational talent out of the group. Great point. I just feel like he's not in that situation where people are going to soon forget some of these images, some of these conclusions that people have jumped to about who he is as a person. I don't I think it's wildly unfair and I and I think that we all do it sometimes. We all jump to conclusions based on, well, did you see that he's got to be soft and oh boy, is he painting his fingernails? He's got to be weird. And all of these things that kind of don't make sense to me why people would stay away from somebody who is that immensely talented and yet we know what it, happens. Is it then incumbent upon Ryan Poles and and his group is it incumbent upon the Bears? to understand, well, the guy doesn't have an agent, so he's not going to be as cleaned up and as spectacular. We're going to get a raw, a raw, a rawer version of him in our interviews and in what we say. He's not going to be as trained and as uh, polished as another guy who has the agent behind him. And, and we're going to have to deal, you know, with – some of this stuff well, and make sure that we are there I, I, for him I, when he finally gets here. I think it's almost maybe the, the other way. I, I almost think that they probably welcome the fact that not only not, – and not because of any negotiating uh, tactic or advantage they're going to gain by not having an agent. I almost think that when you see somebody who's going to be less handled, yeah. less polished because there isn't this team of – professionals there isn't the you know yes. Drew Rosenhaus rehearsing rehearsing yes it's gonna be more authentic and I think that when Caleb Williams the one thing about him and that he seems to be is is he's he's an authentic guy yes. and he's an in his individuality that you respect so maybe that's a positive from the Bears perspective but I think it also is going to be incumbent upon them if they're committed to Caleb Williams if they believe he is the best choice at number one to maybe preemptively help him right, smooth out the rough edges, yes. anticipate some of these issues. Exactly. You're walking into Chicago. Do you understand the, the nuances of this market and what you can and can't say on day one, what you really should and shouldn't do on day two, and the kinds of things that 
the experience of being the Bears general manager, even though he hasn't been there a long time, can bring to a young man who's coming into a market that he needs to be fully prepared for. See, now you're turning me in a different direction because I'm thinking to myself here, you know, they got a guy like Eberflus who is a good guy, but they can't figure out how to get him to win at the podium. How are they going to get this guy to win at the podium? You know what I mean? Right. Now, now, right. now right. I'm worried about all of the uh, – the, and I don't know that they're flaws, but all of the lack of polish on the kid, if indeed that's what it is, because I don't think the Bears are going to be able to help him with I it. I think it's fair skepticism. I, I, I do think that before you get to the point where they're able to control that kind of thing, yes, we're talking about perception here. Yeah, that's all we're talking you, about. You've got to be a, an organization that proves you care about such a thing. Or you understand and do they how to manage? They don't. They clearly don't. I yeah. mean, they want to. I think they don't have a good track record, though. We're not being mean or, or unfair, but the Bears' track record in managing perception is is not good, and it's historically not good. It's systemic. They don't respect the process. They don't respect how perception affects reality. That isn't just this past season. This is this past millennium. This is, I mean, he goes, <laughs> the generation. I know. It's a generation of misstep after misstep, right. and it's related to PR. They can't allow that to happen with Caleb Williams walking in the door. <sighs> See what you do to me? <laughs> I, uh, I didn't mean to, like, give you pause or, or, oh, or make you concerned, but well, it came up. I wondered about that. I worried about that. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's good stuff to talk about. And uh, you know what else is fun is baseball season beginning. The baseball season begins in earnest today with the first of the preseason games, the first spring training game. And it's uh, it's a big one because it's both sides of town. It's the White Sox and the Cubs playing in this game. You're going to hear it right here on the score. We're going to talk to one of the men that will present this game to you. The great Ron Coomer, our dear friend, will join us next to talk about spring training, baseball, where the hell is Bellinger? We'll talk to Ron next. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The score. Ron Coomer on deck. And Ronnie's been red hot. He's been in his zone. Ron Coomer. Let's see if the Cubs can respond. We're helping him out. Coomer drives one into right center field. Long run, Pierre. Pierre dives, misses it. It bounces all the way to the wall. That's a nice knock for the old hometown boy, isn't it? Chicago Cubs radio analyst. What a ball game. The wait is over. Right? It is over. The Cubs are World Series champions. How does that sound, partner? 1999 American League All-Star. From the American League All-Stars. Infielder, Ron Coomer. The Coom Dog with Mully and Haw. On 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And now joining us on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline is Ron Coomer. 
Download the Circus Sports app today. Ron, good morning. What a joy to talk to you. How are you, buddy? I am doing great. Uh, Michael, David, how are you boys doing today? You're welcome. Fired up for the, um, you know, <laughs> I, do we call it the start of the season? It's sort of the, I don't know, it's the first spring training game. It's the it's the local teams. Cross-desert classic. Yeah, it's you know what it is though. Cross desert class. It's a it's a chance to get a view of where we're at with these teams. Where are you at with what you're seeing from these teams? How do they? How does the Cubs look to you, knowing how many young guys they have? Knowing maybe Bellinger comes back, we don't know. But where are you at with this group? I um. I think, you know, it's still a little unfinished, I, I think, for the Cubs. They're in a very good place. I, I, I really believe Council, he's, he's everything you think. And I've known, you know, Craig and I have been friends for a very long time. So, or, you know, so I know he was going to be good and he is. And he's very aware, very um, detail-oriented. When you're watching him watch the workouts as they're going on, He's very involved. He's very much locked in on what's happening. Not to say David wasn't. You guys know I was friends with David for a very long time. We were teammates. Um, it just counts as a little different personality, but he's very involved in what's going on. Um, he's a different personality with the media, but he is a lifelong baseball guy to the extreme of being on the field. And he's done a lot of different things. So, he has kind of the feel of what everybody's position is in an organization, including being a World Series champ as a player a couple of times. So he's got a unique look to everything, which I think can do nothing but benefit the Cubs um, and the group that's playing. And I, I think right now everybody's still waiting for that, that, you know, that last chip to fall, right? I, I just feel that way. When you're in camp, you're, I'm getting it from a lot of different angles of what are you hearing, what are you hearing? That's that's the, the word. So we're, you're hearing talk about it not being a case, but it is a case. They're, they're all still hoping and waiting that, you know, Belly ends up in a Cubs uniform. Well, if he doesn't, you're going to need all of Craig Council's brilliance and authenticity to explain away <laughs> what's going to happen next, Coombe, because it's going to be a ch- job that is more challenging than maybe he anticipated when he took it. It's going to be a job that certainly he can handle. But I think that there are two ways to look at this spring training that begins today at 155 right here on the score with you and Alex Cohen calling a game against the White Sox. But, Coombe, there's there's the projection with Cody Bellinger and there's a projection without it. And one makes me happy and one makes me ticked off. I don't disagree, David. I think with, without without Belly, you're, you're asking a lot out of – quite a few young guys to perform at a level that they've never, never even had to think about, you know, that's what you're asking. So um, can they do it? Yes. Is that, is a much better look with, with, <laughs> with an all-star center fielder who can go get him in the outfield and be an impact player with the bat in his hand from the left side of the plate. Check, 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 check all the boxes. Yes. It's better with belly. So I, I don't disagree. And I do believe there's a there's a mood in camp too that if he shows up, I think it brightens up the feel for all the veteran guys that they feel like okay, 
we've got a chance. You know, I, I just, you just feel that way. You, it was like when Lester signed you all of a sudden, you know, you had Joe and you had, but then Johnny is there and you're like, wow, we're, we're, we're going for it. This is what it is. And um, I think that'll be something, it'll be something like that if Belly signs with the Cubs. You know, obviously Jordan Wick's supposed to start this game today. They've got a lot of really good young players, good young pitchers, and we're trying to kind of figure out how to get through that. Do, do you see these arms and think, you know, I know Ben Brown is still a ways away, maybe a, a few months before you see him come up, but there's there's just so many guys that you that you look at and you think, well, that's a chance, that's a possibility. Do you have any feel for exactly who are the young guys to keep an eye on? The guys that are going to compete right now for the big league roster spots, I would say are the guys we've seen. The youngest guys that we haven't seen yet, it, it's for me, uh, Mikey, is a, is a wait and see because I just haven't seen them. And you don't know what a guy is like until he takes the big league mound and someone with a name on his back um, that he has watched as a kid is steps to home plate and then you go, okay, now we're going to see if he's ready for this period of time or if he still needs more time in the minor leagues. Wicks is a guy, to me, um, he showed himself to be a big league starter last year. I thought he was very good. If, if it were any of the young guys that were in the rotation last year or had a chance to start some last year, he would be first in my list of guys that, to me, would be that fifth starter. Uh, Assad, Wisniewski, both did very well at times. Um, I, I look at Wicks as a left-handed starter. I think he has the most command of what he's trying to do on the mound. Wisniewski, to me, showed he might be a really valuable bullpen arm. When they put him in a pen last year, his fastball went up to 98 miles an hour. To me, that, that shows that's, that's a setup guy to me. It's just glaring. If he can pump his heater up from 93 to 95 as a starter to 97, 98 as a bullpen guy, that's big-time setup guy to me um, if he can do that. So I, I would – that's where that kind of shifts – just to me, I, I, you know, I'm not the manager, so, but that's the way it looked to me. You know, Coom, Jan Gomes was so good last year. I think it kept us or prevented us from having to worry too much about Miguel Amaya's development, and he was not in a position where there was much expected. So whatever he did, it was like, wow, he's going to be pretty good. I think that that's different this year. There's a different level of expectation with him coming into this season, and I wonder – when you look at him specifically this spring and what the expectations are this season, what are you seeing? What are you expecting? And how capable is he of fulfilling those expectations? I think very capable, David. He's, um, he, he's carrying himself now like he belongs here, right? In spring training now, he's, he's a big leader. And, and I mean that in all the good senses of the words. He, he's walking around. He knows he belongs here. He knows he can play here. Uh, he knows he's going to be catching. He's he's good, and I think it's a great situation the Cubs have right now, um, with with Gomes being such a great leader. You know, Gomes brings so much to the table for this team that they need. So to keep him fresh and have a Maya catch, um, and, and be able to do some of those things, I think the Cubs catching situation 
in the big leagues right now is in a very good spot. I, I'm a big fan of both guys, and I think both guys do some different things. I think Gomes will be able to help Amaya with the last few pieces of the puzzle to, to round out his game to make him a better big league player. But I, I love the, the catching scenario the Cubs have right now. We talked to John Heyman yesterday, and we were talking just about, you know, third base, morale, um, wisdom, magical. I don't know how they're going to line it up. And and he made a comment that it seems like they're having open tryouts at third base. I'm very curious, particularly with Christopher Morrell, um, what you see. You know, they, they said that Madrigal's kind of helping him with his footwork. He's got to get his footwork better. And then we talked about how you got to throw from from third. It's a different throw. And, and you think about him as an outfielder or a second baseman. It seems like th- there's a combination of learning on the job, learning the position, and then taking over the spot. It, it's, it's a lot to ask for, right? It is a lot to ask for. But – that gets, that gets asked out of young guys every camp and every team, right? I, you, you, that happens. It's just very glaring with Christopher in Cubs camp because he did so well as an offensive player, and they didn't have a spot for him last year. He bounced all over the field. Well, now this year, the one, the one big positive is now every day he goes to third base and they're working with him at third base. I don't think there were two days in a row last year that they worked with him at third base. It would be third base one day, then it would be center field maybe, then it would be take ground balls at second. Then he you wouldn't see him do defensive work, you know, like extra work. And so to me, now that he's there every day, he gets inundated with work at third base every day. And I think that I, I talked with Counts about this yesterday. And Counts is a really a really good way of doing this. And it was very similar to an infield instructor that I had years ago, Ron Plaza was an old infield instructor. Scott Brocious and I got drafted in 87, and he, his first comments to, to us were, you know, as we're learning, here's what we expect out of you at third base. Get outs. You get a two-hopper hit to you, you catch it, you throw it to first, you get an out. He would say, I don't care if you're standing on your head. Just get an out, and let's move to the next guy. That's all he asked for. And Counts made a comment yesterday to me as him and I were just talking. All I want him to do is make the routine play. Nothing more than that. And then let's get him to home plate and let him hit. And I think having a manager that understands that expectation and he's going to make some mistakes is really going to help Christopher. Really will. So, Coom, a lot of curiosity surrounding Michael Bush mm. at first base. And then mm-hmm. I read stories about, well, this is the spring that Matt Mervis is going to prove himself that last season was an aberration and he's more ready now. What is the plan at first base and how much of that depends on the Cody Bellinger saga? I don't know if it depends much at all on Bellinger, to be honest with you. I, I, the way the Cubs are set up right now, I think you're looking at Belly playing center field, mm-hmm. right? He's, he's going to, if Belly shows up and he's in camp, he's going to be in center field. I think that the issue is is Bush, Mervis, and what happens. I think as of right now with the trade that the Cubs made, they're saying Michael Bush is your first baseman, but he's got to produce. He's got to do it in camp, right? He's got to show that he can handle playing first base in the big leagues. 
and and be a big league hitter. Um, really nice young guy. Um, I've heard a lot about him um, from people in Minnesota from my connections there and just being around Minnesota for years. Um, good, real good player, real strong kid. Him and Mervis both are really strong young guys. So um, we'll just have to see. You know, he's a young guy too, and um, I hope I hope they both do really well. It would be nothing but great things for the Cubs if they can both have great camps and and you know put pressure on the Cubs. Maybe one can play first and one could DH. That would be a great scenario for the Cubs. Okay, we'll let you go, Ron. You got to work today. I'm just curious what what are you with your you know, practiced eye, what are you looking for in this game? What is it that will intrigue you, entice you? Is there anything that we should be uh, zeroing in on that you watch? I watch, uh, I'm going to watch Christopher Morell intently every day. Mm. Every single day I will watch Christopher and see how he does. I'm a big fan of his. Just personally, I just think he's such a great young kid that I'm really pulling for him and I'm watching the work that he's doing. And I'm going to look at all our young pitching. We've heard a lot about it. We don't get to always see it in Chicago, right? So the young pitchers, wherever they're pitching in this camp, I'll be at that spot to watch them throw because I think that's the that's the area in our organization that if we're going to be perennial contenders, those guys have to do well, and, I, and that's what I'll be watching. Great stuff. Always a joy. The coom dog's the man. Thank you, buddy. Have fun today, Ron. Happy New Year, boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love it. Yeah. Baseball New Year. Spring training opener for the Cubs today against the Sox, beginning at 155 right here on the score for the latest news on the Cubs. Sox, try listening to chapters from our show on the Odyssey app. Each topic we cover broken out so you can find what matters most. To get started, download the Odyssey app, then search 670 to score and tap on a recent episode of our show. It's Molly and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. But I'm, I'm just pumped for the video tribute. I think it's going to be pretty nasty. He had, some, <laughs> he had some sick highlights here. I've watched every one of his mixtapes probably a hundred times. Are you surprised his heartbreak Sally is so popular 11 years after he started it? Uh, no, I mean, I think you kind of pioneer something, and, um, you know, it's pretty cool, so... Whenever someone does it, it's always straight back to him, which I think is, is pretty sweet. So um, he's had some he's had some cool sellies, um, you know, in his years. So you know, he's, he's an icon in the game. He's someone that is going to be remembered forever, and, and he's still playing at such an elite level. And he's still like point per game and and buzzing on that on that team. So I mean, I love watching him play. I love following following what he does um, for the last whatever 10, 20 years of my whole life. Um, not twenty, but. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6 7 of the score. Come on. That's Connor Bedard of the Blackhawks talking about the man who's coming for the video tribute on Sunday. That, of course, is Patrick Kane. And and Patrick Kane, even Kaner's return, can't overshadow the the, uh, retirement of jersey number seven in honor of Chris Chelios. That'll be the banner raising before the game. Bet MGM and 670 the score honoring the Hall of Famer Chris Chelios' career and retirement of his number seven jersey. Uh, David, you and Mark Grody are going to be broadcasting live from Kaiser Tiger from 2 to 3. 
I'm sorry, from 12 to 3, Chris will be there. Uh, the show is going to feature him with a special visit. There'll be other special guests. You can come by, say hello before you head over to the game. That is Sunday from noon to 3 at Kaiser Tiger, located at 1415 West Randolph near the United Center. BetMGM also will be celebrating by offering $7 bonus bets to all customers in Illinois. BetMGM, the king of sports books. But we had a fun conversation this morning because Eddie Olchek told us yesterday that he believes Patrick Kane is the greatest Blackhawks player ever, ever to play for the organization. And um, and so we are um, yeah. we discussed it. We talked about mm-hmm. Stosh, Stan Makeda. We talked about uh, the Golden uh, Jet, Bobby Hull. We talked about whether – it's true or not, and you are firmly in the camp that uh, Kaner was the best. Well, I think when you look at the numbers overall, he will end with all kinds of points and assists and goals, and that will be very convincing. I think when you look at the weight of the championships that he won in Chicago, three Stanley Cups, I think that will be very convincing. I think when you look at the style of play, and we heard Connor Bedard talking about the famous celebrations and all the sellies, if you will, the hockey talk. Love hockey talk. That Patrick McCain, Patrick Kane uh, modeled and and people were mimicking throughout his career. That you know, there's a flair, there's style, there's substance. Overall, with due respect to Bobby Hall, who had a lot of reasons to to look at him and point to that and the Golden Jet, and, and yeah, history was made. Patrick Kane just, to me, gets the nod, and it is recency bias. He's still playing at a very high level. Overtime winner for the Red Wings last night. And he's coming to Chicago Sunday, not just for the video tribute. He's coming to win a game. The Red Wings are in a playoff hunt, Mm. and he's a big reason why they feel like they're going to get to the postseason this year. He's still at a very high level, playing for 15 years. Started his career when Connor Bedard was a mere toddler. A mere toddler on skates. Can I mention one other player that we haven't talked about yet that we need to talk about, and that's Dennis Savard. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you something. Like, the Blackhawks, did they have a lull? How would we describe it? Dennis Savard kept hockey important and kept it as a, a sport we were following for about a decade of his career. The spinorama, getting to go out and watch that guy play hockey – that's one of the best hockey players we've ever seen in Chicago. I, I Again, yeah. this is subjective, and no one can line them up and do it. And I get it. It's really difficult. And For one moment in time, that period of time, I think you're, you, it's a valid point because he did, he did for Chicago what Connor Bedard is doing for the Hawks now. He's making them must watch. I hear you. You're saying Bedard, greatest player ever to line up. I think that you said that during the break. I wasn't going to bring it back, he's, but he's since 18. you want to mock me, I will. I'm not mocking you. Or you want to sh- chide me, I will. I would never You chide. said that. It's nice to hear Connor Bedard, the greatest Blackhawk ever. I, I was having fun because you are so convinced that it's Kaner. <laughs> uh, I would like to know this. Like, is there not like a certain symbiosis? Don't we need like an operation if we're going to separate Patrick Kane from Jonathan Taves? I mean, we're uh, Jonathan Taves, captain, my captain, mm-hmm. captain Sirius, that's a guy that kept the Blackhawks well, online. Kaner yeah. was 
Hockey baby, Kader! Well, we like, need categories. I'm just we saying. Need, we need categories. Thank we need you. Categories. Thank so, you. so Jonathan Tay's most respected Blackhawk ever. Oh, Maybe with oh, Dan McKeon. Oh, look at you. I think Duncan Keith could be the most indispensable Blackhawk ever. Oh, right there, you go. Because he's a guy that it, Duncan T. Without him, yeah, without that, one. without that accident against the San Jose Sharks in the 2010 oh, Western Conference Finals, God, what a play! He uh, without Marion Hosa. Marion Hosa is the is the most uh, the greatest two way player in team. history? The most versatile Blackhawk player in team history, both ends of the ice. Yeah, Marion Hosa going to be in town, maybe on the show next week. Oh, I think uh, nickname's Hoss. <laughs> Thank you, Lucy. Nickname is Hoss. Patrick Kane, to me, is the most accomplished Blackhawk ever, and thus the best. Okay, okay. Bedard could be. Bedard could be. I don't want to put that on an 18-year-old kid, even though he looks capable of doing everything. Did you see that move? Yes. Did we you see that the move? stick and then went between the legs and got a shot off. Oh, my gosh. Did I see the move? Yeah. I asked you during the break, is I've that a penalty? about it. Why yeah, that, that was a funny comment. Is that a penalty? He, he hit the stick the away, stick. Yeah. and he went between his yeah, legs gotcha. and took the shot. And I think when I all think is said and done, Connor Bedard will be in the team photo for all-time great Blackhawks. But but right now, it's the picture is Patrick Kane, number 88. I wonder if there will be more Kane jerseys or Bedard jerseys on Sunday at the UC. Yeah, I'm going to go with Bedard. All right, I'll let you know. What do you think? I I don't know. I, I mean, I think everyone's going to break out their Kane jerseys. Yes, that's what I mean. But – I think that there are, everybody's already wearing Bedard jerseys, and it's almost like the Erlacher effect, where you know everyone has the same jersey. How many Bedard jerseys did they sell? It's crazy well, when you go to a game. Not as many as they sold for Patrick Kane over fifteen years. Who who else would you wear their jersey unless you're related to someone? I don't think no, not, you're, you're getting not many any Jason other Dickinson jerseys. jerseys out there. Well, and that's not a shot at anyone. No, I think he's had a great year. Yeah, but Bedard and Kane will be well represented Sunday at the UC. It's gonna be a fun day, huh? and also maybe some number sevens. Yeah, we'll see. A lot some. of Brent Seabrook fans out there. Oh, look at you! See, I knew you were going there. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. See, I love Chelly. Did, we he love name Chelly. his kid seven? Didn't he? <laughs> is there not like some weird like George Costanza thing I don't, going on? Middle don't name think seven? so. Did I, he? Or something? Oh, I need to look into that yeah, now. Maybe I'm making it up. I thought I remembered here. <laughs> you and that could be making it up. I could just be inventing things. I don't. You have a lot of hockey knowledge hidden in that brain there. You see? Yes, Mister Hockey. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, been here a long time. I know. Been in this town a long time. Been to a lot of hockey games. So you doesn't but, mean I know anything. So you, you're Hall, you're Bobby Hall. Uh, no, I think I went Stan Makita. You think Makita? Okay, Just years of I like service. That. I like that. Yeah, Stash. You know, okay. Molly Stash. Guys with nicknames always peel. Molly goes Makita. Hall goes Kaner. Yeah, and, and, but it's all subjective. Very much so. And I'm a big Taze fan too. I'm not down argue on Argue with us. People can call in and argue with us. They, That'd be fun. No, don't dare argue with us. What? 312-644-6767. Mully and Hall on the score.